Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Stocks for beginners. Phil Muscatello and FinPods are authorized reps of Money Sherpa. The information in this podcast is general in nature and doesn't take into account your personal situation. The first thing you have to start doing is really thinking and exploring where these emotions are coming from. Try to understand what they're there to protect you from. And then accepting that that's what they're there for. They have positive intent. Like, oh, uh, I tend to want to move my stops when uh, trade starts to go in my direction. Uh, what's the positive intent there? The positive intent is to try to protect myself from loss. Hi, and welcome back to Stocks for Beginners. I'm Phil Muscatello. And... This is holiday season for most of us around the world, and so I'm welcoming to the podcast an old friend, Kyle Hedman from, well, it used to be Two Bulls in a China Shop, but has now been rebranded and renamed to Band of Traders. Is that correct? Hello, Kyle. That is correct, yes, and that was a whole big old fiasco. I think we went through two name changes in 24 hours because a listener caught the episode where we were discussing the name change and uh, suggested a much better one. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, what was the first? Uh, um, what was the suboptimal name change? Uh, we ended up landing on True Trading because the idea was like we were trying to show like what the real, you know, trading life was really about, like the kind of things that nobody really talks about, the struggles, the lessons that you have to learn every day. Uh, yeah. But then when he came with that one, is like, yeah, this should incorporate the idea of like including everybody and. Uh, yeah, it kind of does. Uh, I, I guess band of yeah. traders. Basically, yeah. we're talking here now, aren't we? Yeah. <laughs> yes. It's yeah. kind of it's kind of got a, a bit of a, a Jimi Hendrix feel to it. <laughs> That's what oh, I'm you feeling. Think? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was band thinking more gyp- like band the, of gypsies. You know. Ah, uh, yeah. I was thinking more like band of brothers, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, I, oh well, there were Jimi Hendrix in the military. Well, Jimi Hendrix was in the army, wasn't he? Something like that. I think he was, but uh, I don't think it was yeah. by choice. <laughs> yeah, I think I think he just ended up using it as an excuse to keep rehearsing guitar. <laughs> Always right. a good thing, yeah, for someone like Hendrix, I guess. Look, let's just start. Like I said, this is a um, totally unprepared episode. We're recording before Christmas. We are going to be um, releasing this sort of early January, so you'll be hearing this in early January. So we might talk about Christmas. We might not talk about it, but I'm here sweltering in sydney the weather's getting nice and warm and summery but i'm i'm assuming it's um not quite the same where you are it's actually been decently warm but uh the, i think what we consider warm and what you consider warm might be a little bit different <laughs> yeah oh god are we gonna have to start talking between celsius and fahrenheit as I well i was just trying to figure out if i was gonna i just double it that's close enough <laughs> Oh, okay. Well, we had we had a day the other day which was what thirty eight degrees Celsius. So no, it'd be more oh, than double. Wow, that's pretty yeah. hot. Oh no, we get hotter, isn't that? We get much hotter than then. Yeah, yeah, we do. I'm trying to think of what the hottest I've been, and I used to live in uh, Phoenix, Arizona, and mm-hmm. honestly, we had like one twenties, but the conversion to that is probably what like forties in Celsius. Um, I guess so. I don't know. <laughs> okay, I, what, what I do know is um, 32 degrees Fahrenheit is zero Celsius. Okay, and 48. Sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 48, okay. 
Yeah. So 38 is 100. Yeah, 100 degrees. That's pretty pretty spicy. Do you get humidity out there too, or is it just oh, uh, high, very high humidity? Yeah, we're okay, subtropical so that's, here in Sydney. That makes it way worse. That yeah, sounds like yeah. Houston weather. Ugh. Feels like you just got out of the shower all day long. <laughs> oh, no so tell you. us about um, the Band of Traders. How's it been going this year? And um, well, no, let's talk about you a little bit personally. You because you hmm. you're trying to use this opportunity to learn about trading stocks and options and so forth. Um, tell us a bit about yourself and why you're doing it and how you're doing it and what you're learning. Well, it started out with stocks about three years ago, and I think we were dabbling with options when we first crossed paths with you. Mm. Uh, lately, it's been a lot of diving into futures and trying to learn and understand those. Before the the rebrand, we uh, we did a really great uh, kind of like an intro into futures tradings with some other established traders, and we kind of like the feel of that, the structure of that. Uh, we've done some roundtables in the past where we get some experts and some newbie traders to get to ask like the questions that they want to ask. And so that's kind of been like the feel for the new show where we're trying to just open it up to get as many people involved to, to ask those questions that, you know, sometimes you feel kind of stupid asking them what, what actually is an options contract? Like you can't just pop into a room and ask that without feeling I don't belong here, but you know, we yeah. all have those questions. We all have those things that we want to know. So we're just trying to get people a chance to be able to, you know, be a part of those communities, part of those discussions to share the things they're working on and get feedback from, other people because the more eyes you get on stuff the more people you can bounce ideas on just the the better the better you end up forming it for yourself right so what's it like um trying to control expectations because a lot of people when they approach the idea of trading in options or stocks you know they think they're <laughs> going to become masters of the universe they're going to quickly become you know make lots and lots of money um, i how, just, how have you responded to that? <laughs> I've just passed on a, a guy who requested to be interviewed after looking over his website and seeing exactly that. Grow your account from 4K to a million in five years. You can mm. do it. Like, mm, yeah, it can be done. But like, if that's what you're focusing on, if you're focusing on results, as far as mm. like P&L goes, uh, you're not going to make your decision making process is already compromised because that shouldn't be what plays in like good results are a result of good risk management. Mm. So we've been trying to shift. I shouldn't say trying. Trying means you're fighting. You're not doing. <laughs> Our focus <laughs> has been on shifting everything to process related. Am I following my process? When I am I entering as according to my plan? Am I following my take profit strategies? Am I am I executing the way I said I was going to? And if you can say that at the end of the day, then the pro, you know the P and L is going to reflect that. Uh, yeah, that's uh, that's been the biggest. <laughs> The biggest shift over the last year, I think. Yeah. And it's interesting that you talked about, um, you know, someone who wanted to come on the podcast and you checked out that their website and you real because I've realized doing this, um, my stock market investing program is mm -hmm. I can just fill it up with trading, so, trading companies, trading ideas. Yeah. You know, I'm not even sure what the, the generic term is for these kind of things, but it's just people who want to just, uh, sell their course in trading. Mm -hmm. And that's where they're, they're making their money. And um, so I've actually, this is the first time I've talked about trading in ages because I've, oh, really? I've banned those. Yeah, I've banned traders on the, um, the podcast. <laughs> like, <laughs> Apart from you, because we can talk honestly about this as well. And we can talk about the struggles and that there, there are ways of doing this, but it's, it's not a path for everyone. You know, really, you've got to get mm -hmm. your, your money act together, have your, um, most of your money in, you know, property or, bonds or long-term ETFs or managed funds, 
or pay off your credit you, card debt first. <laughs> yeah, pay down your credit card. Things, yes. All those really sensible things, you know. Sorry, I said manage funds. They're actually mutual funds in the United States. I should yes, just yes, yes. myself there. <laughs> like really, that that's something that Eric Smolinski harps on a lot. I've done uh, quite a few collaborations with him. Um, yeah, yeah. I've had Eric on. No, I've had yeah. Eric on the podcast as yeah, well. Yeah, Eric's and, phenomenal. Yeah. And his his big advice to someone who's starting out is to spend that time saving uh, while mm. you're learning. You know, paper mm. trade and save and save and save until you're ready to deploy it. Do you find paper trading helpful? Has that um, idea worked in trying to hone the the kind of trading methodology you might be using? I find it to be very helpful, yes, uh, between mm. paper trading and backtesting. Um, paper trading just kind of gives you a bit of a feel of what it's like to sit through a trade. You get the kind of – it makes you pay a little more attention to it. You can see how it reacts intraday, whereas if you're doing backtesting, you're kind of usually just looking at like, okay, I would have entered here, I would have closed here. You don't get to actually like sit through the moves in that scenario. Mm. Now, the downside is that with the paper trade, obviously, there's nothing tied to it. There's no risk. So it's really hard to work on those emotions that come when you're sitting through a drawdown or when you're when the trade is going your way and you're like, oh, it's coming up on my take profit. Should I try to squeeze a little bit more out of this or should I just go ahead and get paid here now? So mm. like those are the kinds of things that paper trading is like the next step to help you get to that point. You almost have to like live trade stuff after you've done you know, the proving of the edge just to make sure that you can actually recreate those results forward testing. How do you find the psychology working on you? Because of course, once it's real money involved and like you say, you know, it, it's going up, can I get more profits? It's going down. <laughs> Should I kill myself? <laughs> Has it worked for me? Not the way I'd like it to. Mm. <laughs> like I still fall into those traps, but I think the difference is that now, nowadays I'm aware of what's going on. Like I can pinpoint it like, hmm, something doesn't feel right today. What is going on? Oh, I'm fearful. Why am I fearful? Oh, I just took two losses. Uh, now I'm going to be, you know, questioning everything and, and not thinking quite as clearly as I was before. So just having the awareness of some of those things, I think, is really helpful to be able to key you in on like, yeah, maybe I need to take a step back and, and recenter for a minute. You also briefly alluded to risk management as being an important part of this. How do you approach risk management? I think risk management is the most important part of everything when it comes to trying to actively trade or even with your investments. You need to know what your acceptable losses are, how much you're willing to risk on every trade. And it needs to be an amount that you can actually let go of when you're actually putting that trade on. Some people may say my plan calls for $500, but if you're constantly thinking about like, mm, that's the that's my car payment, uh, you know, <laughs> becomes a little bit different when you're throwing that on there. So I always hear people say like, if you're, if the risk is too much, like that's a good sign to size down, cut your size in half and see if you can stomach that a little bit better. But as far as like overall, like you should have a plan that involves like your risk per trade. You should have a plan that involves your risk per day, your risk per week. And then what you do when those when those situations hit, if I hit my max daily drawdown, what do I do to respond from that? What's my recovery plan? If I hit a weekly drawdown, how long do I shut down? And do I need to go back and revisit my strategies? Do I need to double check and make sure everything's still within tolerances? It should be probably the, well, the most well-defined part of your plan, I would think. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Are you looking for unbiased, in-depth market insights? Deep Knowledge Investing is dedicated to providing conflict-free, well-researched stock ideas. Gary Brode is a 30-year Wall Street hedge fund veteran. Turn to the good side. He's dedicated to providing you with independent and timely market commentary. Deep Knowledge Investing is supported by a large, successful and highly engaged board of advisors who provide expert advice and insights in a variety of fields and industries. Gary appears regularly on this podcast so you can check out his insights for yourself and see if he's the right guy for you. Receive 50% off a Deep Knowledge Investing subscription by using the promo code STOCKSFORBEGINNERS50, that's five zero. By using this promo code, you can subscribe for six months for only $100 or check it out for a month for only $25. That's deepknowledgeinvesting.com and use the promo code STOCKSFORBEGINNERS50. By using this code, you'll be helping to support this podcast. Deep Knowledge Investing, helping you to beat the market. Why do you put yourself through this? It's <laughs> um, a good question. Uh, I think it's just because I love the challenge of it. Like every day is different. You don't walk in and see the same exact scenarios. I mean, obviously, you know, his, what's the saying? History doesn't repeat, but it often rhymes. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. That's a lot of what trading is. Like every day is different, but not completely different to the point where you're just completely lost every day. Like it's the challenge of problem solving. Like, okay, what's going on today? What do I see? I get to really apply my mind in, in ways that I'd never, never done it before. Like even working at a troubleshooting job uh, in the steel industry, which we've talked about in the past. Like I thought that was high stakes. Uh, high, yeah, exactly. And then you get to the trading game and it's like every minute is like that. Whereas in the steel industry, it's just when everything breaks, then you're in that mode. But you know, for 12 hours a day, sometimes you're just sitting with your feet up on the desk and things are chugging along and making money. <laughs> you don't get very many of those in the trading world. <laughs> how, how do you deal with the emotions? It's um, because, you know, you can't, well, you can't push emotions down. You can't push them away. They're just there no matter what you try and do. Is it um, just having the process that helps you to control the emotions or do you take a lot of uh, diazepam? Or <laughs> <other? laughs> well, uh, I would say that control is the wrong word. Mm. Uh, if you're trying to control your emotions, that means you're fighting them. Um, when we talked to Rich, he gave us uh, kind of like his methodology. And step one is going to be awareness. Step one is always awareness. Step two is going to be acceptance. And then step three is agency. So what that means is the first thing you have to start doing is really thinking and exploring where these emotions are coming from. Try to understand what they're there to protect you from. And then accepting that that's what they're there for. They have positive intent. Like, oh, um, I tend to want to move my stops when uh, trade starts to go in my direction. Uh, What's the positive intent there? The positive intent is to try to protect myself from loss. It's like, okay, so now that I've known that, now that I accept that, now I can go back and look and see what the actual stats are. 
And I can actually negotiate with myself. I can say, hey, look, you know, you're doing this to protect me, but really what you're doing is you're hurting the overall process because now we're not capturing the, all these winners that we get stopped out at break even on. And when you can have like that kind of, it sounds foo-foo, but when you can have that kind of discussion with your subconscious to kind of negotiate with it, get him on board with what your plans are, I think that makes for a much, much more uh, effective plan for trying to understand and work with your emotions. So from the beginning of 2023 to right now at the end and the beginning of 2024, um, Mm -hmm. is there anything, any major things that you feel that you've learned or mastered um, that's helped you over this year? I would say I have a much better understanding of psychology after doing that series with Rich Friesen. Uh, That's been fairly eye-opening. And even when we first talked to him, you know, three years ago, he told us all this stuff and I kind of approached it with an open mind, but I don't know that I necessarily fully embraced it at that point. I think once you start to see some of those results pay off, um, once you start to really understand yourself and this goes beyond trading, which is what's really, I think the, the crazy interesting benefit throughout the whole thing. I've become a much better person over the last year just because I've been willing to explore myself, if that makes mm. sense. A better person in what way? Um, like when I'm, I'm more honest, I'm more open when I'm like conversing with my friends and family, my wife, uh, something, you know, bothers, if something bothers one of us and we need to have that hard conversation, I'm not as quick to run away from it. Like I used to be, um, Mm, mm. more willing to engage and, and really just kind of think. And I think too, about what other people's, when they get emotional, like what is the reaction stemming from? Why, why are they getting emotional at this? Because a lot of times they're involuntary, right? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, I got to say, it's been a hard year right at this end. <laughs> it's been a really, oh, really? hard year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In what Not ways? that I do any. Oh, just uh, in terms of the investing, it's been a bit hard because, you know, I invest on the Australian share market. Mm-hmm. I've been using a methodology. One of my guests, um, I may have talked about him before, but he's yeah, got yeah. A, fundamental, a fundamental way of investing. And um, I've been following his trades. It's basically a follow trading system. And um, it's um, the Australian share market has just been so flat over the year. There's been a bit of up. It's been a bit of down, far less volatility to, in the US market. But the US market's ending the year you know, mm-hmm. it's. I'm not, yeah. I'm not sure what it's going to be mm-hmm. like in early January because things change so much. But it's been, <laughs> just been such an upward trajectory in the US. And we're here, also you coming know, up on an election cycle too. I think so. I wouldn't be betting against that anytime soon. Yeah, but does that really have um, that much of an effect on markets? I think it does. Uh, I have to go look really? and see what the correlation is, but. I think it does. God, you guys take so long to have an election. <laughs> it takes oh, years. God. It's like six weeks it's, here, you know. It's just everything's it's, going, and then six weeks it's called. That's when it all <laughs> happens, and then you have the election, then it's over. <laughs> uh, let's see. The market has been favorable overall in 20 of the 24 election years from 1928 to 2020. Uh, negative wow, returns okay. only four times. Hmm. <laughs> Interesting. Right? Why is that? Why do you think that is? <laughs> well, do you want to get tinfoil hat time? <laughs> oh yeah, I love, love a tinfoil hat. How many Never people hate. are wearing tinfoil? How many people are wearing tinfoil hats these days? What's happened to the world? <laughs> I don't know, but man, it seems like what the do you find that there are the so internet. many people who are there's so many people now who are just I'm not sure if it's conspiracy theories. This is both on the right and the left of politics, but it's just people have gone insane. 
I think I think it's with the rise of the internet now. You can find a chat room anywhere for somebody who believes your crazy theories. You know, mm. they or you can find for- someone else's crazy th- crazy theories to subscribe to. <laughs> right. Flat earthers. I think my daughter one year came home from high school, told me that mm. she didn't believe in space. Like, no. <laughs> no, 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 no. Let's go grab the telescope. Space is real. <laughs> it is. It We're is not real. playing that game in this house. <laughs> So um, I also was interested when you were doing those interviews with uh, Rich, is it? Rich, Rich? Rich Friesen, yeah. Rich Friesen, yeah. That um, you're in Peoria. Yeah, yeah. Because ah, I just – I just always, when I was a child, um, my parents had a record collection and one of their, the songs in their collection I used to love was um, um, I, I Wish I Was in Peoria. Do you know that song? No. Oh, how I wish <laughs> I was in Peoria, Peoria tonight. Huh. Oh, how I miss the Goyles in Peoria. you got to say it like that, Goyles in Peoria tonight. <laughs> oh, you can pick Ooh. a morning, Gloria, right off the sidewalks of Peoria. <laughs> That's anyway, not been my experience. <laughs> <laughs> It's a really, really, really old song that's been covered so many times. That the, the premise is, is these guys are on a ship that's sinking, you know, and as they as mm-hmm. it's sinking and everyone's panicking, suddenly go, "I wish I was in Peoria, <laughs> the center of the Illinois, where there's no uh, water <laughs> except for the river." <laughs> yeah, that's right. You're not, you're not going to yep. be on a sinking ship in Peoria. What's Peoria like? What's it like to live there? Um, it's like going in a time capsule, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Like, tell us if about. If you lived it. in like a modern city, uh, and you, it's like yeah. going back a hundred years, you see like all the old brick buildings from like when the industry was big here in like the eighteen eighties to early nineteen hundreds. Like Peoria used to be really prosperous town, and it's just kind of been on the downhill since then. Uh, there's aspects that I like. I like the kind of throwback feel of it, but it does sometimes kind of feel like you're driving into an apocalypse, uh, oh, ruins really? of like a major metropolitan sometimes. Not to pull some is pictures it, and it, send them to you. Is it has a lot of historic buildings, does it? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then uh, the great got- Richard Pryor's from here. Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Richard Pryor. Uh, what was that great line of his? You know, remember when he um, um, set himself on fire? Oh, God, cooking, yeah. <laughs> cooking, um, <laughs> cooking cocaine or something. And yeah. he said, I don't know what happened. I had a glass of milk. I had a cookie. I put the cookie in the milk. Kaboom. <laughs> Didn't he at the end of that special too flick a match and say this is an impression of himself <laughs> running down the street and threw it? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> what, a, what a comedian. But, but uh, what, is, what industry is there? What keeps the economy going in Peoria? Uh, used to be Caterpillar. Caterpillar has got a really big uh, presence here, yep. but they've been they tried to shift it to Chicago, and I'm not sure that if they're not still trying to to get out now. Um, Illinois has not been very favorable as far as taxes go, but they still have a big Caterpillar presence. Um, Keystone, uh, which was the steel mill I used to work at, now owned by Liberty, um, that's another mm. big employer. Uh, there's there's a lot of actual industry out here. Just uh, They've been around for a hundred years, and the buildings look like that. So, does it still have a main street, a high street, there with lots of shops in it, or is it still you have to drive out of town to the box stores? Uh, the River Walk is pretty nice. You can go walk mm. along the uh, the Illinois River. They do a good job of keeping that vitalized, and um, they actually have like a lot of really cool stuff in the summertime, free concerts and things like that. 
Yeah. Uh, I mean, I like it a lot more than I liked uh, Arizona. People are a little bit more friendly than they are there. Mm. Weather's yeah. um, uh, more my speed. I like the colder better than the heat nowadays. Although, ask me that again in a couple of weeks when it snows. Well, this this can be one of our um, quixotic uh, crusades, like um, revitalizing the theme song of Peoria, which I've just given to you. (laughs) Is that the actual um, theme song of Peoria? Because that's what it sounds like. I think it should be. It should be. (laughs) Sounds like a high school band song. (laughs) (laughs) But then, of course, we've had another one of our failed crusades, and that's to promote um, Grace mm. Stanky from um, uh, Miss America. I tried to go back and see if I can figure out how effective our campaign has been because she's up to she's over five thousand followers now, and I want to say she was significantly less 2, 000, than that when we started yeah, two thousand before we started. Yeah, so just to remind listeners that uh, Grace Stanky is the current reigning Miss America, and she's also a nuclear engineer, and she's doing a lot of work promoting nuclear power as a clean energy future. But um, she's studiously ignored us in our, I know. <laughs> our I know. campaign to promote her, especially and on Twitter. Especially after we doubled her since, uh, since we last brought it up. I mean, she's doing a great job going out there and um, canvassing for nuclear power. I, I mean, I don't know how you feel about it, but you've worked in, with nuclear close up, issues. haven't you? Yeah. I mean, I think nuclear power sounds more complex than it actually is. It's really the same technology that we use with coal or similar. I mean, it's just a hot rock that makes steam and spins a turbine. It's the, it's what do you do with the stuff after you've used it? That's the problem. (laughs) (laughs) Well, must be able to do something. I mean, I've always, because Australia produces, uh, I think we've got the largest uranium reserves in the world, possibly, or the second largest. And and we actually export lots and lots of uranium. We have a war against whoever has nuclear reactors, I guess, France, America, you know. Uh, oh, you, uh, yeah. That's right. There's um, different grades too for that and weapons grade. So North Korea is probably not calling. <laughs> oh, no, we, we sell, sell them out the back door <laughs> to, to North Korea <laughs> and Iran. <laughs> uh, just joking. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but we, we've got a ban against nuclear power here, and we've got one nuclear reactor, and that's for medical isotopes. Uh, mm-hmm. Just here in the suburbs of Sydney, in fact, you know, you sort of say that we, we've got a nuclear reactor here in Sydney in the suburbs, and oh, really, we didn't know that. <laughs> right? Yeah, been there for about fifty years, no problems at all. <laughs> right? Uh, but it's yeah, I don't know. You don't hear about them unless there's something. Yeah. you don't hear about them unless there's something really goes wrong. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's always made sense to me the idea of nuclear power, and um, I, I've got this fantasy. And there are some people who've been pushing that it, because Australia is vast with lots of empty spaces and mm-hmm. geologically stable that um, we should also start um, an economy, a lot of economic activity based on taking other people's nuclear waste and burying it in, in a very mm-hmm. safe way as well as exporting it and also becoming I mean, um, world leaders in nuclear technology. If we could ever get rocket ships to not blow up, just launch it to the sun and help uh, you know, keep the sun going for a little bit longer. <laughs> My plan. <laughs> yeah, but what about Very fusion though? though? Yeah, I mean, fusion's getting really close to being commercially viable. Is is that uh, okay with Australia? Would they allow one of those plants to to operate? Who knows? Who knows? People get scared about them whenever you say that nuclear. And the thing is about nuclear fusion isn't the saying. It's always about twenty years from being ready to yeah, go, right? Mm. But I've yeah. seen uh, I've seen some companies that say that they. They they claim to be uh, like ready to 
be commercially viable and actually putting out, you know, mm. usable amounts of power in the next couple of years. I don't believe yeah. him, but no, no, that's, no, that's right. It's nice to see that it's close. But we we do have a, a a working system that does work, and you know, as long as you don't uh, put them on fault lines or in tsunami zones, <laughs> and uh, maintain them well. I mean, even the the worst nuclear disasters we've had, like Chernobyl, you know, you look at Chernobyl today, and they've mm-hmm. got very high levels, but there's a forest, and there's animals in the forest, and they all look sort of quite normal. Yeah. Yeah, did you anyway. watch the documentary they did on the, uh, not the documentary, the uh, miniseries that they made? It was no, kind of like a no, did you fictional see it? It retelling. Good? It was really good, but they way over dramatized the effects of some of the stuff that had happened there. Like if you go back and mm. like read how actually damaging the event was, it's surprising how many people survived some of the stuff that they had to go through. Mm. Mm. I think things like that don't help when it comes to trying to promote it as, you know, something that's probably better for the environment than a coal plant or an oil or yeah, some yeah. of the other stuff we use. What's Australia's yeah. hang up? Like, why do you guys not allow it? Uh, it's just been a long time political thing on the, the left of politics that that um, seemed to be, you know, very unsafe. It's always the, gov- the current government say, oh, we, we can't go nuclear, even though in COP28 currently with the meeting, there's a lot of countries that have signed up to mm-hmm. um, produce a lot more nuclear power. And Australia's still saying, oh, it's too expensive. It doesn't work. You know, we're going to be building offshore wind turbines and more solar panels. And offshore stuff, so. wind turbines are pretty solid, though. Yeah. You get pretty consistent wind out there, don't you? Possibly somewhere. It's just more the transmission lines because you've mm-hmm. got to completely rebuild the transmission of power yep. infrastructure. And these transmission lines have to go over people's properties as well. And so there's mm-hmm. all that oversight that needs to be done and the um, the protests from local communities who don't want power lines going across their farmlands. The people who think the magnetic radiation is going to affect their brains. Like, mm, oh, I don't nah. think it's even tinfoil hat territory. It's just um, it's just they don't want the power lines there. It's just, they're just ugly. and um, Yeah, I could see that. You know, it's, it's their land and they have a right Especially to- in place like australia where i assume that's Mm. like kind of like the big pride and joy is the pristine nature of your guys's country yeah yeah that's right um they're building um offshore uh, wind turbines Mm -hmm. um just off newcastle which is just north of sydney which is the the largest coal port in the world we export (laughs) export more coal from there but um one of the reasons why they're building it there is because the power stations are there and um the, Mm -hmm. the infrastructure exists but you know i can't see the coal being stopped anytime soon. It sounds like we need to change our uh, our strategy for Grace and try to just get her to go to Australia and give some speeches. I think Maybe so. Yeah, yeah. Miss America, Miss America does Australia. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Might but have I to mean, workshop that title. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> but Miss America used to be a big thing, didn't it? I mean, it's obviously mm-hmm. not a. It doesn't capture the public imagination like it might have once in the past. No, when you had four channels to watch, you know, 20 years ago, yeah, pretty limited yeah. on what you could actually, you know, pay attention to. Now you got so many options that uh, we're starting to see that, you know, maybe network doesn't make the best stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me in America, in a, a town like yours, how, how many mm-hmm. people live in Peoria? How big is it? Um, ooh, let me check. Somebody had asked me that before. I want to say it was like comparable to Tucson, but that probably doesn't help you. Oh, how I miss 113. Yeah. 
It's about a hundred K. Okay. Yeah. So that's in the place. Metro. Yeah. yeah. Do people get on well? I mean, you, we get this view overseas that America, everyone's at each other's throats. You know, you can't um, <laughs> you can't have any kind of political discussions. You know, you don't. There's all those memes about you know what um, the uncle's going to say at Thanksgiving dinner. Uh, um, I mean, everybody has one member of that family where you are just very yeah. opinionated and don't want to listen to anybody else. And politics, yeah, can be kind of a touchy subject. But I think, in all honesty. You got 10% on either side that's like the vocal extreme, and then the other yep. 80% lives in the middle and doesn't really care enough to engage. So you only ever hear, you know, the extremes. Those are the only mm. people that ever make it on uh, the, you know, the news segments or the, that's, that's all they ever promote because that's what gets the clicks. That's what gets people upset and angry. But I think the majority <laughs> of people are just like us. They just want to live their life and don't want the government overstepping their reach and you know, leave me alone, I'll leave you alone. <laughs> so Pe- Peoria, you'd consider it middle America of sorts, of yeah. some sort, yeah. wouldn't you? Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. Midwest. And, um, yeah, people get on well with each other? Yeah, for the most part. Um, I'm trying to think if I've had any bad experiences. Not really. Is it a safe place really, to live? Depends on where, but that's going to be anywhere, right? You got your areas of town that you don't usually go to. Unless, yeah. uh, unless you're feeling, I find that like- I find that really hard to to conceive of. I mean, there's no place in Sydney that I would worry about going to. I mean, there's some, of course, where you, you know, you mightn't <laughs> feel completely safe there. But really, it's every time people uh, say that, I've gone through some of those spots, and mm. like you feel like a stranger. It almost sometimes feels like another world, but never actually felt in danger. But I mean, I haven't been to some of the like. There's places in Detroit that I've I've heard where they'll you get a flat tire, they'll pay for it. The city will because they don't want you stopping. They want you to just get the fuck out of that place, yeah, and they, yeah. they will not uh, send repair crews to those streets. Yeah, yeah. Wow, it's <laughs> it's <laughs> just hard to conceive of. You know, I feel so safe here in Sydney think, in comparison. You'd, you'd think with as much wealth as this country has, there wouldn't be so much poverty, especially mm. in so localized like that. I don't know. We do the best we can with what we got, right? Yeah. Now, we're going to be, this is being released, like I said, after Christmas. What's your Christmas looking like? Um. Well, we had uh, daughters come in for Thanksgiving. I think that was more of the bigger celebration. Uh, a lot mm. of times my wife likes to put together like some type of like thing to do for the family, whether it be an escape room. Um, you familiar with those? Do you guys have those in Australia? Um, what the game, like it's a game where you have to escape yeah, out of the room. Yeah. 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 They have like actual places here where you can go where they yeah, set yeah. up an yeah, actual Yeah. Yeah. No, we've yeah. got those. Yeah. Yeah. Got yeah. those as well. Yeah. Next to the ax throwing centers usually. Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> they seem to go together, so, don't they? <laughs> I, yeah. Right. And mm. Especially with the drinking and the ax throwing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with a bre- with a brewery next door as well. Right, <laughs> very well planned. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so sometimes she'll she'll do something like that, or she'll make a scavenger hunt. Or one year we did a like our own version of Taskmaster, which I think we talked about last time we spoke. We got mm-hmm. got into that show. Uh, that one was a lot of fun. Uh, one of the ones I remember there was having to wear a blindfold and gloves and try to build a structure out of marshmallows and spaghetti noodles. <laughs> and whoever got the tallest one got the most points. <laughs> wow. And so we recorded ourselves, like each of us, like we had to record ourselves doing it and then send it in to, to the judge. And mm. watching the clip of yourself, like with blindfolds on and gloves, trying to build something where you 
you have no sense of sight, you have no sense of feel. <laughs> Just watching it like droop as I'm sitting there thinking it's up here. Mm. <laughs> so people in America tend to move a lot more than um, in other countries. So you're not from Peoria, are you? and your wife mm -hmm. is not from Peoria. You've sort of come from other areas. Uh, my wife was a lot more stationary than I was. She grew up in Phoenix uh, and lived there mm -hmm. for most of her life. This is... I think she lived in Dallas for a little spell, but they went back pretty quick as it, when she was like in her early teens, I think. Yeah. And where were you uh, brought up? I was brought up in Houston. I grew up in mm -hmm. Tucson. I lived in Bakersfield, California. Um, let's see, South Carolina, Chicago, mm. New York, Memphis, Mississippi, uh, wow, Brief Memphis. Bay in Tennessee. <laughs> uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, I've been all over the place. So, <laughs> uh, But most of that was from the military and Without uh, pensions and things like that anymore these days, there's no real incentive to stick around in one job for 40 years and put up with a bunch of bullshit because, yeah. you know, there's everybody has the same plans. So I think people these days are a lot more apt or willing to, to jump ship and go move to another company if, you know, the benefits are there. Uh, mm. It's really that's kind of the best way to get a pay raise in the States anyway. <laughs> go find right it. okay because <laughs> otherwise you're getting three percent annual raises if you go jump mm -hmm. on to another company you know you can get a 20 percent bump so there's a lot more yeah. financial incentive to move but uh, it can be tough like have you ever relocated no no i've lived in sydney my whole life and uh this, I, I remember the statistic that there's is it something like 90 percent of the australian gdp is produced in seven square kilometers uh, of Sydney and Melbourne. So really? there's no incentive to move really unless it's – if you work in the mining industry, of course, you'd go over mm -hmm. to Western Australia and work there because there's a lot of uh, wealth and the resources are over yeah. there. But basically for any other kind of job, you've got to be in Sydney and Melbourne. And, of course, it's becoming a nightmare here because you've got the high mortgages now, rents are through the roof. Um, it's becoming – totally unlivable it's wow it's absolutely absolutely insane what's going on here at the moment and it just seems to be tinkering around the edges you know there's not enough homes being built mm -hmm. not enough apartments being built the there's too much immigration at the moment and um that's taking away a lot of the uh, the accommodation that's funny that I, I thought australia was really strict with their immigration uh, they I, are I, we are it's really yeah. hard to get a visa to get to come work there yeah, yeah, but um, it's you know it doesn't take that many people to make a. I was just reading today that the the, the target was like two hundred and fifty thousand people per annum on mm -hmm. these are temporary visas for people to work and um, but it's doubled. It's more like five hundred thousand. So I'd like to get a city the size of Canberra arriving <laughs> in the last <laughs> year <laughs> without any infra new infrastructure and new housing in place. It's, it makes it it's a big deal. And because, How many people are in Sydney now? Uh, about five million, something like Ooh. that. Yeah, yeah, so it's about the size of probably Phoenix or one of those big mm. US cities. Yeah, yeah. No, it's a big city. Um, and, of course, there's all that the thing where no one wants to have any new development in their backyards mm. and uh, – mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot of still a lot of sprawl, still a lot of very large places with you know one or two people living in them. Right. So I, I, it's been a combination of factors, and I I, I really think it's it's a, a consequence of what happened during the COVID 
mess up and lockdowns and everything because it's a similar similar situation in the UK, similar situation mm-hmm. in Canada and a lot of other places like that. So I, I don't know. I, I do worry about you know like my kids and you know how they're going to survive and. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, anyway, yes, don't we get too yes. depressed? <laughs> yeah, let's bring it back to Christmas. I want to know what you guys yeah. do in Australia. Do you have any different traditions there? Um, well, it's uh, it's uh, the height of summer here. So. Yes, that's what I was wondering about that. So the traditions are: yes, we still have Christmas puddings and we still have turkeys, and my mother insists of having on having a turkey each year. <laughs> so, so when we've you got say that, Christmas then, pudding, what does that mean? Because that's not what oh, it's an English. We call oh, it's pudding. an English thing. No, Christmas yeah. pudding's an, an English thing. It's like a um, fruitcake of some sort, very, very rich fruitcake. It's like more like a bread almost, right? Mm, wouldn't say a bread, no, or because a cake. it's very cake <clears throat> more of a cake. Yeah, 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 very moist cake, usually brandy <laughs> in it as well. It's a very English kind of tradition. So, so what do they call what we call pudding? Like if you see what we call like those little jello snack cups that are just like a – Chocolate liquid. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what do we call those? Um, yeah, jello, jellos, I guess, something like that. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. It's not. That, that's not a. <clears throat> that's not that kind of pudding. But um, then, of course, uh, to counteract that, there's lots of salads. There's lots of beer and lots mm-hmm. of seafood. <clears throat> seafood. So I live. Yeah, oh, that's oh, yeah, my definitely. style. Prawns. Oh, shrimp. Mm. You call them shrimp, but uh, yeah, prawns, oysters, and mm-hmm. um, I live very close to Sydney fish markets here. So one of my personal traditions is to on my push go on my push bike in the middle of the night because they're open for twenty four hours a day for the few days before Christmas and stock up on prawns, oysters, a few things to put on the barbecue or the barbie as we yeah, call it here. Yeah, yeah. and what's, um, uh, have, what's a dozen oysters run you guys out there? If you're getting them raw in the half shell. Well, in Australian dollars, it's about 25 Australian dollars for a dozen oysters, which That's would be, I'd say, about 16 US dollars, somewhere around about 15, 16 US dollars. Seems pretty comparable then. Okay, you guys aren't mm. getting cheap oysters at least. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so you understand the idea of um, raw half oysters in the shell? Oh, I love them. Uh, except I like uh, I like a little bit of horseradish, uh, dab mm-hmm. a cocktail sauce Ooh. on it, and then I Ooh. eat it with a cracker. Yeah, that's... With with a cracker, <laughs> I like the cracker. I like the texture that yeah. it gives with it. Because I, I was um, I was at a function one night, and there were a lot of Americans there, and they were handing out the oysters, and they were looking at them in absolute disgust. I know, right? Like, Try them; they're delicious. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you're the first American I've met who's actually well. I'm sure there must be other that would oh, eat yeah. the the raw no, actual my, oysters. But my these dad people taught me the joy of that. Yeah, yeah. But these people, they were just. And, and so they, they they had to be taken back to the kitchen, put under the uh, <laughs> under the oh, griller no, and grill, and don't make them Rockefeller, ruin them. They were talking about Louisiana style, so I'm not sure what Louisiana style is. Is that um, is that like with the cheese on them? That's because I think that's what the Rockefeller is. Like they bake them with a little yeah. bit of cheese on top. Yeah, no, no, raw raw oysters. They're fantastic. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. What about uh, you guys? I love getting uh, crawfish when the season's in, but you guys call them, I think, mm-hmm. yabbies? Yabbies, yeah. Yeah, that's Are those right. big yeah. out there, big boils that you do? Not really. Those? No? Yeah, not really. No, no, nah. I've never taken off. <laughs> I mean, you can you can get yabbies, but um, I don't know. We've got a thing called uh, Balmain bugs. Um, I actually live in a suburb called Balmain, mm-hmm. and they're kind of like little lobsters 
I guess yeah. they, they kind of look like trilobites, you know, yeah. <laughs> like a, a fossil <laughs> almost. Good word. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're they're, they're delicious. They're absolutely d- delicious oh, as bet. well. So yeah, I often get a few bugs as well. But um, oh, speaking of then, words, I gotta yeah. say, uh, I gotta thank you for turning me on to that history of English podcast. Oh, fantastic! You've yeah. been enjoying it. Yeah. Oh yeah, wife and I listened to. I think we binged about like fifteen or twenty of them while making dinners for for a while there to go back at. There's so many yeah. like really crazy nuances about language that you never mm. would have thought about. Like the way they're able to piece together a, an old extinct language because they noticed in like these three like ancient ones they all have like similar words for wheel or for mm. cows. Mm. Like yeah, oh, so then now we can figure yeah. out what lo- location they came from. They're likely here because we know that there's these types of animals were here. The, the, the forensics they can do with it's fascinating. I know, and um, the, the, that idea that because we're talking about Proto-Indo-European languages, which yeah, is where yeah. um, most of the languages in Europe came from, and also Sanskrit in India mm-hmm. um, came from similar roots. But there was one episode where he was talking about when uh, I think it ha- had to do with chariots, didn't it? The people who oh, had yeah, the chariots so. brought the language because chariots mm-hmm. became such a uh, an effective weapon of, of mass con- <laughs> conquest <laughs> that they took the, the chariots and the language with them. You're right. And when they were heading westward into Europe and hit the Carpathian Mountains, some charioteers mm-hmm. went to the north and some went to the south. The ones went to the north, the, their language turned into the Germanic languages, and the ones that went to the south turned into Greek and, and Latin, mm-hmm. only to be all reunited later, many years <laughs> later in history, and you know, ending up in the melange that is the English language. So fascinating. I think that was another really cool one. Uh, Reading up on onomatopoeia a while ago, and I think mm. I think I just remember reading sneeze is actually a, a form of that because yeah. the original version of the word had a K in front of it. So if you pronounce it with the K, it kind of sounds like you're sneezing. Cause sneeze. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that with the K, of course, gives it more of that um, that Greek right. sound as well. Mm. Yeah, I was just been um, uh, yesterday. We had a, a bit of a family day because we've got you know several families, and some go away at Christmas. So we had a bit of a Christmas thing yesterday. And there's a um, a suburb, the actually the suburb in Sydney where I grew up, which is a very Greek area. And mm-hmm. um, we got the bigatsa from there, which is this Greek, beautiful, beautiful Greek uh, dessert. And what this was it called? deli, bigatsa. Bigatsa. I'm gonna have to look. B u g a t s a. And just a, so cheap, you know, and you go to this deli next door to it as well, and you get these huge chunks of beautiful Greek cheeses and beautiful olives and all sorts of things, and you come out of it and you've spent under a 100 bucks, you know, and you've got food to feed five or six people. I used to love, uh, like, some of the Mexican places I used to get when I lived in mm. Tucson. There's a little stand called Nico's Tacos where you can get – it was $5 20 years ago. I'm sure the price has gone up now. Five dollars mm. for two beef chimichangas, and these things were almost a pound each. At, what are they? What like, are they? What's it? What's a chimichanga? It's like a burrito, but it's deep fried. Yeah, like the outside oh, of it, I, oh, so it's nice ooh, and crispy. Wow. Yeah. Ooh. Uh, yeah. yeah. One of those, like I could barely finish one. I got two of them in this thing for five dollars. <laughs> like, are you kidding me? <laughs> Although we've got um, so much Asian influence here, so you know we've got. Oh, I bet you do. Chinese. Chinese restaurants, Indonesian restaurants, Thai restaurants, especially Thai. Thai, there's so many Thai restaurants. I yeah. wish I liked Thai food more. I don't care for the sweet and the spicy. I love the mm, spicy mm. stuff that they have, but they put a lot of coconut mm. milk in a lot of their stuff. 
Yeah, yeah. Not into that? Not necessarily. Although I do like their, mm. their Thai iced teas. Those are <laughs> – I can feel myself getting fatter drinking them, but they're so good. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Well, they're, actually, they're, their coconut water drinks are beautiful as well. Oh, yeah? Oh, oh I've seen co- coconut them make Yeah. Yeah. Oh, they're beautiful. Yeah. Lots of hydrolytes. Good for um, mm-hmm. replenishing after after sweating a lot, which you mightn't be doing this summer or this uh, Christmas. No, right. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Hopefully not. Got any plans for 2024? Um, I mean, we just made our big changes. So I think uh, the next couple months are going to be just kind of taking stock of how they're doing and seeing if anything needs tweaked. I'd Sorry, still like to it? at some point do a um, like a another mini series on fundamental analysis. Uh, mm. But I got, I don't know, there's so much that you can only spend so much of your time on so many things. And with the option series and then futures, like sometimes it's too much. Yeah, so I yeah. may I may actually just try to take some more time and focus on one thing rather than being too spread out. Yeah, yeah, spread it out too much. So, how yeah. are you finding it with um when you're dealing with listeners? Are you dealing with listeners and other people who are coming on board and um, talking about it? Is is there a community group as well? Oh yeah, we have a Discord where um, oh yeah, that's right, Discord. With, yeah, mm. we merged with our friends over at Vanta Trading. They're the uh, two of the panelists that regularly appear on the show now. Uh, yeah. They have a paid room where they offer uh, educational services and mentorships and and mm. other amazing stuff, town halls and and stuff like that. And then we operate the free side of that. So we put together events. Uh, we've got a coding workshop that we're trying to put together for people who want to learn how to build their own studies or uh, make use of uh, Chat GPT to to help them write some Python scripts to do back testing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do uh, M period challenges on Fridays so we can get people together to. Uh, the idea is to not fuck up your Friday. <laughs> so, <laughs> so go into sim mode and we'll play for some prizes, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, and how are you finding people are reacting? I mean, when you're, you're talking on, on Discord and the, mm-hmm. the community, what, are, what the, are the kind of people, what are they, their expectations? What are they looking for? It's been great, actually. Uh, I think um, I think the expectation is just to have the honesty, like like you said with your experiences. Uh, like, there's so many shysters and people out there just trying to make a buck. Mm. Uh, that I, I mean, it's just refreshing to hear somebody say, like, "Hey, here's how I lost a bunch of money when I was in your shoes, and this is what I did and what I learned from it." Being able to provide those kinds of conversations, I think the reaction's been phenomenal, and uh, the engagement's been getting much much better. Uh, people mm. are, you know, writing in, suggesting uh, guests to get on the show now. Uh, uh, it's been really fun watching it kind of like come together, and it's, 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 uh, it's been really starting to take off over the last yeah. year. Oh, it, um, you had Carl on, didn't you? Was it Carl that came on? Oh no, Casey. Sorry, Casey, Casey Stubbs. Casey Stubbs. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yep. nice. And guy. I did his show yeah. too. Yeah. Oh, good, good. Yeah. Yeah. He's a nice guy and a very honest, another very honest person as well. I think that's the key to this is. Th- Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to say that they're shysters. I mean, you did use the word shysters, but obviously there's they're trying some to, out there. I'm not going to name names. There's, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's nothing, but they, they, you know, they want to make money out of selling an educational product. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, there is so much that you need to understand. And I really commend you guys for what you're doing in terms of being basically honest about it. Like we've been mm-hmm. saying, I mean, honesty is the key word to this, isn't it? Yeah, and uh, it's tough for you know the poor guy that's trying to learn because you don't know what you don't know. You don't know what's good information or what's bad information. That's part of what we're trying to accomplish with with our community is to be able mm. to point people to resources and things like you know like 
we've talked to how many people over the years that we, you know, you can tell when you get a guy that really genuinely cares, like I'm more than happy to point people to their stuff. Like, Hey, check out this Mm. guy. Like he talks about the kinds of things that I think he sounds like you're interested in. Like Mm. I like doing that kind of stuff. I like trying to connect people to, to point them in the direction of places where they can find good information and not get taken advantage of. And that's the thing they're being taken advantage of often because, you know, people have got dreams. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Money means dreams and realizing these dreams. And sometimes these people selling educational products, that's exactly, they just, you know, their, their hands are going right into people's minds and they know yeah. exactly which little switches to, um, which buttons to press and which, which switches to pull and emotionally get people sucked in and can often that's something not be a very good outcome for users. That's something Rich told us uh, when we first met him is that he said he doesn't use his powers for evil, but if he wanted to, he says he knows <laughs> how to how to do it, how to be that guy. Yeah. It, yeah. It's yeah. exactly what he said. You're just you find out what that person wants and then you try to sell it to him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's that simple. If you're seeing those words on the screen when you're researching something that says uh, basically everything that you want to happen. Uh, maybe take a second look because that may be a bunch of empty promises. Oh, that's a great way to, <laughs> that's a great thing. I hope that that's <laughs> a, a takeaway that someone mm-hmm. can um, have from this particular episode that, um, you know, you've got to understand what you want, what your goals are. It's all that old financial planning advice, which is so cliched, mm-hmm. but you really need to know yourself, know what you want, know what your needs are, know what you what you need to do to keep your money safe as well. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Well, I think that's a good point to say goodbye and Merry Christmas and Happy New Year, even though we'll, by the time this comes out, that'll all have been happening. <laughs> <laughs> it shall hopefully, have happened. We have tra- time traveled. <laughs> hopefully all the New Year's resolutions are still intact. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, New Year's resolutions. And um, hopefully we've got world peace. We've got uh, nuclear power. We've got uh, clean Grace, energy. Grace yeah. Stanky over there uh, uh, rallying the troops. <laughs> Shout out in, to uh, Grace. Sydney. Yeah. <laughs> And um, the history of English, that um, the more we know it, the better we can use it. There you go. Yeah, well said. (laughs) Well, thanks for having me on, Phil. This has been uh, a very nice break from the typical conversations I have to do. (laughs) It's always fun chatting with you because you never know where we're going to go. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. It's been really good to have this chat, you know, because I was just saying to my wife this morning before I came in, I haven't prepared a thing for this conversation, but... um, I don't know. I just feel like this is a nice way to have a little I had a couple ready to episode. go just in case. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good, good, good. Well, we've managed to nearly fill up the hour. So, yeah. Kyle, great to see you again. And Phil, you have a great, great holiday, man. I hope uh, I hope it's not too hot. Maybe you get a freak snow mm-hmm. and you can build a snowman or a sandman. <laughs> well, luck- luckily, we've got about uh, hundreds of beaches here in Sydney, so that's not a problem. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> Think of me then. <laughs> okay, signing off. Thanks for listening to Stocks for Beginners. If you enjoy listening, please take a moment to rate or review in your podcast player or tell a friend who might want to learn more about investing for their future. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.